You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. All right, Sixers fans, welcome to a new episode of Sixers Daily. I'm your host, Jazz Kang. I was off for the week. That's why you didn't get to hear my voice. So for all y'all that don't want to hear it, I'm back on the feed right now. Sorry, sorry to disappoint you. Uh, lots to discuss. We're going to get into some Sixers talk. We get the final numbers on James Harden's actual two-year deal in terms of what the payout is. And also, it's going to be a trade bonus as well. So we'll fill you in on that. Give you some of our thoughts on a recent article by Kevin Pelton of ESPN, kind of looking at the Eastern Conference overall offseason grades. He's got the Sixers really high up for that, so we'll jump into that. And also some Kevin Durant talk. Uh, basically had a meeting with Nets owner Joe Sy. Looks like it's going to be either them or me, and I'll tell you the details about that. But, but before we do, don't forget, subscribe to the Liberty Ballers Podcast Network. You can catch us wherever you get your fix. And of course, check us out at libertyballers.com. One of the people you see behind the magic at Liberty Ballers, Mr. Dave Early joining me for this one. Dave, first off, you spent some time away from New York City, got to get away. How was your vacation time? So nice. Great to recharge. Got to float in a pond with some frogs. So good change of scenery from the Big Apple. No, that, that must have been nice. I was the uh, did it get too hot, though, the weather there or were you OK? It was like 20 degrees cooler than the city. I kept checking and enjoying that. It was like 75 and 80 upstate versus like 98 in the city. So it's funny because nice. I, I'm, I mean, I've, I'm Canadian. I've, I've been living in the, in the country for, for quite a while now, but I am still not used to the Fahrenheit versus Celsius thing. Uh, people tell me that it's like 84 fair. I'm like, I don't even know what the hell that means. So I admit I need to get, <laughs> I need to get up to speed on that. Uh, I, I know that we are the weird ones. So we should be learning so that we could talk to the rest of the world. <laughs> I know. I, and that's, a, that's the, the, the temperature thing is the only thing like I can't, you know what I mean? I, I just don't, I can't figure out, but I'm like, I kind of get it ballpark in terms of what I would know. Like if somebody tells me it's 75, I'm like, oh, okay. And then I know what it like, what the temperature would be like, but I don't think anybody wants to hear me talk about my struggles as a Canadian living in America. So let's, let's jump into <laughs> to, uh, let's jump into some Sixers talk. Uh, Keith Smith, uh, he writes for our sister site uh, at uh, Celtics blog, also does some work for Sportrack as well. Uh, got the details on James Harden's deal. So it's going to be worth $68.64 million over two years. Of course, this season coming up, he'll get $33 million, which is a around what we all knew the, the figure would be, given that uh, Shams, Woj, you know, basically all the insiders telling us it was roughly a $15 million pay cut he took. Obviously, that enabled the, the Sixers to add some much-needed depth, a uh, two-way depth, especially in terms of the offensive and defensive end. But the second year, it's going to be a player option, $35.64 million, also includes a 15% trade bonus. So when we saw Keith tweet this out and kind of give us the, the figure on this, um, any surprises with this, Dave, in terms of looking at it? And what do you think about that trade bonus as well? No, I'm not surprised. I think uh, I think Michael Scotto had it also uh, or first, and I just can't imagine Daryl Moore is going to trade James Harden. So doesn't really seem to be a, a key factor in this. A lot of people are talking about that second year, but 
I mean, my probability meter right now is on like over 90%. He's going to opt out. I think it would take an absolute terrible season for him to want to pick up this option. Um, so not a lot of surprise, really, really like that Harden took this because it did allow so much wiggle room the Sixers to make some really important changes where I think you can safely say Daryl Morey felt very dissatisfied with the playoff level of defense. And so, like you said, adding in some much needed two-way players in, in Tucker and house and Melton, that couldn't have been possible all that without Harden doing this. And it's even raised some eyebrows like, well, why would he take that much of a cut? So uh, great offseason for the Sixers in that regard. Not a ton of surprises on the deal. Well, Dave, when you're looking at this too, and I know a lot has been made about Harden, you know, taking taking less and especially that second year being a player option, right? And like you said, so let's say things don't go well for the Sixers. Obviously, we don't want that. We want them to be playing in June, deep into it, winning a championship. And if he does that, obviously tough to see him packing up and leaving if, if the Sixers do win the chip or even, even just get to the finals and, and make a deep run. But when you look at that, the fact that he took that second year as a player option, and it'll be about, what, $2.5 million more than what he's going to make for the 2022-23 campaign. But does that give you any sort of reservation or looking at it like, hmm, I wonder if he would actually consider leaving as a free agent after after uh, this coming up season? Yeah, I think for any player you know, the, the baseline is just somewhat level of concern. There's no one you'd feel it's absolutely zero risk. James Harden, you would dial it up based on his history. You know, no matter how comfortable you feel that he and Daryl Morey have had this ongoing romance, there's going to be the body language watch community, right, on Twitter who's going to mm-hmm. be saying like, oh, look, Tyrese Maxey gave up his seat, didn't want to sit next to him. He and Joel Embiid had a little spat. He was seen you know, bickering about something. So that stuff's going to pop up. There will be rumors, you know, you'll probably hear Pat Riley was interested in trading, you know, Duncan Robinson and Kyle Lowry to bring in James Harden in the offseason and things like that. Like, like we heard about from Daryl Morey when we were wondering if the Sixers could retain Jimmy Butler. It was like, well, Butler might go to the Rockets. They don't even have cap space. So there'll be some team that takes an interest if he's balling out. And if he's not balling out, there's going to be, well, might he leave anyway? So that's going to be a theme throughout the year. We'll have to uh, deal with some rumors here and there. Um, But I I don't expect it. I think that they're – my preference would have been a three-year deal. So the Sixers got him under contract for two years because if he does ball out, if he does have a throwback year, he might be able to command a four- or five-year deal. And then you might be looking into some much scarier territory um, with the timeline pushed back another 12 months. Yeah, and looking at Hardy, he's going to be 33 coming up in in just under three weeks. Um, so again, depending on how he ages and all this kind of stuff, it's 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 something to keep an eye on. But um, we've heard the rumors, we've seen a little bit of hard in this offseason in terms of offseason workout videos, seeing him get some runs in. Looks like to be in better shape in terms. Of, I don't want to say he was in bad shape last year, but in terms of looking a little bit more lean, looking a little bit more spry in his movement. What are you expecting from Harden this year? Obviously, it was difficult. You got about 25 games in after the trade, um, you know, and then having to deal with the Embiid injury for games one and two against Miami. And again, Harden has such high expectations, right? Like if you look at him being a top 75 player of all time, former league MVP, we've seen him just be dominant with the Rockets, you know, putting up more than 36 points a game in 28 2018 2019 part of me uh, still had a pretty good season for the Sixers last season last year right had 21 points average 
10 and a half assists, a double double machine. But are you expecting his numbers to go up at all this year, Dave? Or do you think what we saw from him, you know, at, at playing 21 games for the team and then going into the playoffs, is this the version of Harden that Sixers fans should expect for the, the next season, which is, you know, starting in what, two months here, just over two months? I think it's fair to expect a better version than you saw last season. I think that the hamstrings has been a very, very big limiting factor in his game. Um, watching him to begin the year last year, it was pretty significant that there was a drop-off. He looked maybe 10, 12 pounds heavier than when he was an MVP candidate at the tail end of the 2021 regular season in mm -hmm. Brooklyn. Mm -hmm. We often say like he's not Houston James, but I mean, 2021 Brooklyn James before March 31st hamstring injuries popped up. That guy was dominant. He was top three in MVP Kia MVP ladder. So it's like if you could get something in between that version and the version we saw last year, I think that would be safe to ballpark. If, if at any point in the next 18 months he gets a hamstring injury, it's going to be very, very worrisome for his ongoing outlook. So if I'm the Sixers and I'm him, I think all parties have so much incentive to align on a pretty conservative load management program this season. I mean, you go back and look at how he first got these issues. He was holding out in camp, you know, he notoriously like maybe picked up some weight to get out of Houston. And then Durant is out of the lineup almost every other game. Kyrie's hurt for a while and he's carrying the load by himself. Um, he came back to the nets after a grade two hamstring. He didn't get a chance to really, do what he likes to do and play pickup a summer ago, even though he was talking about scary hours, we never really got to see it because he was reacclimating to playing the game with this bulky hamstring, but he's still logging like 38 minutes per game, carrying the load when Kyrie's out as a part-time player. And it just felt like the nets never really understood, you know, he's, he's never had a major surgery, right? So it's like you look at Kevin Durant and his Achilles, you know, to be conservative. You look at Kyrie and how he's, multi he's had multiple surgeries. You're more conservative and hard. And it's always been like, well, he's a gamer. He wants to be out there. Just let him play. And even the Sixers did that. I mean, the Sixers mm -hmm. saw how good he was after his two-week layoff in Christmas with COVID on the Nets. And then they got him and he took two weeks to get his hamstring right. And he looked awesome for a couple weeks. Then he started playing big minutes and by the Suns game, we saw him like holding and pawing at the hamstring. So I think they have to be conservative this season. They cannot let his minutes just go up there. Like he's done in years past and he needs to be on that same path with them because he wants to get paid big time in a year. That's not going to happen if he pulls by January. And, and it's interesting too, Dave, because like, like you said, obviously that, that hamstring is something to keep an eye on. Um, making sure that he doesn't re-aggravate it or if he's having issues, just take kind of a second to uh, reset. You know what I'm saying? Like back away from it all. And, and even if you had to miss 10 games, because I've said this before during the offseason and I'm going to reiterate it all the way throughout the regular season. Nobody gives a crap if the Sixers go... 60 and 22 and get bounced in the second round. Nobody cares if they go 44 and 38. And you know what I mean? Like it's all depending on what they do in the playoffs, right? Like Daryl Morey was bought in to turn this roster into a championship team, looking at that, at what they've, the changes that they've made, uh, bringing in Harden, obviously, you know, getting rid of Ben Simmons, who wasn't going to step on the court for Philly anyways. So that's where I'm looking at this too. Like, don't worry about what's happening in November and December. Iron out the kinks, get on the same page chemistry-wise, and then you can look at 
being ready for March, April, May, when the expectations are going to be through the roof. So looking at this right now, and I mentioned this off the top day, we were talking about Kevin Pelton uh, of ESPN. He basically gave an off-season grade to every single Eastern Conference team. The Celtics got an A, deservedly so. They made some great moves considering they made the NBA Finals. They got a young squad with with Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown leading the way, bought in Malcolm Brogdon, bought in Delano Gallinari, which will give the team a lot more depth, got the point guard that they needed too around a very good roster that they have. And then the only other team that did get an A, the Sixers. Obviously, James Harden helped by taking that $15 million pay cut that we mentioned earlier. But looking at this now, they bought in Tucker. They bought in Daniel House Jr. They bought in DeAnthony Melton. And you look at, obviously, Tucker's impact on the game on both ends can't be overstated. We know what he brings in terms of defensively. We know what he brings in terms of being able to shoot from the corners, which the Sixers desperately needed. And he's a dog and they needed those. And I think that satisfied Joel Embiid's craving to add a player like that, obviously bringing in the specific player that he mentioned after the Sixers ended up coming up short against Miami in the second round. But you look at the impact of, of DeAnthony Melton, right? Um, a positive player in terms of net rating. The Grizzlies a little bit better with him on the court than they were off of that uh, with him off of it. Pardon me. Uh, also a little bit better defensively with him on the court. You look at Daniel House, obviously playing it for a very very bad team uh, in Houston. But you look at the job that that he did. Uh, the Rockets were four and a half points better per hundred possessions with him on the court. Looking at Pelton's trade grades, do you agree that the Sixers deserved an A for what they did this offseason? I would have been a little more stingy with my A, um, but I do think it's fair. I mean, the Sixers improved significantly, and they're, they improved so much that a lot of us were comparing this team to the 2019 team with Jimmy Butler and J.J. Redick and saying, is this a better team around Joel Embiid than he's ever had before? And I think that's a fair comparison for sure. Um, the reason I would have withheld an A is because – they didn't gain a ton of ground on the landscape around them. I mean, they're right now per the, some of the betting markets, they're about the eighth best overall team. Um, and so they, I don't think they really moved the needle there in terms of getting closer. Most hmm. of the teams, uh, you know, like 80% of the teams over the last, I forget what it is, 40 years have single digit championship odds right now. The Sixers have double digit odds. They're 15 to one. So I think they Daryl Morey would feel a little bit more comfortable if they could get a higher. And so he didn't execute a big trade, you know, something in the Tobias Harris range that would make us say, whoa, that that would have been an A for me. Um, but can't can't really quibble with it because they've they've improved so vastly. Do you think that and I've asked people this before, Dave, this is the first time we're recording in, in, in a little while. So I want to get your take on this as well, too, because you do such a great job just covering the, the Sixers and the league as a whole. But uh, I mentioned the Boston Celtics, right? You look at, at, at what they did uh, being, you know, getting to the fi- finals. Miami hasn't done anything too crazy in terms of uh, improving the roster for a squad that finished at the top of the conference in the in the in the regular season. And uh, the Bucks obviously won the championship a couple of years ago. Uh, look at looking at this right now. Where, where do you think this puts the Sixers in the Eastern Conference pecking order? And like, who are your top four or five teams that you have right now in the East? It's really hard to answer this. I mean, you could say the Celtics first. I think they're tier one. They just went to the finals and they've improved. They did a lot with their MLE, bringing in Gallo, uh, trading for Brogdon without losing even, even Grant Williams or Derek White, any key member of their finals rotation. And there's just basically adding a really good player who they don't need to rely upon in the regular season. Mm-hmm. since he has had those injury concerns. 
And they might be a front runner to get Kevin Durant if they're willing to put Jalen Brown on the board. And that would top a lot of the current offers for Kevin Durant, who might have a stalemate going on right now with the Nets. Um, and that, that would make them even stronger still over the next two, two years, even if you might disagree that it makes them better over the next six or seven years. So I would give, give them one. Obviously, the Bucks. they still have Giannis. He's the first player off the board on a lot of these, uh, you know, rankings and fantasy drafts happening right now. We just did one and he was our first overall pick to Brian's team. So I would put them second. Then it gets tricky because of this Kevin Durant trade. So I think one of the Nets heat or Raptors, basically whichever team has Kevin Durant would probably be the third team you might slot in there. Yeah. Um, and that, that's something to keep an eye on, on too, Dave, like you mentioned with, uh, with the Raptors, the Celtics and, and Miami, um, and we'll just jump into some Kevin Durant talk too. But when you look at a weakness for the Sixers, you still think they might have, despite adding all these talented two-way players, guys who could shoot, guys who can defend. Is there any weakness you still see in that squad? Well, the first thing that jumps out is injury profile. I mean, is Joel Embiid and James Harden both going to be, both going to agree to not prioritize the regular season as much as they have in the past? Because, I think of Kawhi Leonard playing once every three or four games and winning the championship. I think of Kevin Durant in 2020-21 returning from a full season off from his Achilles tear, playing literally half the games. But by the time the playoffs was done, he was everyone's consensus number one player. So I really think what you said before about it doesn't matter what you do in the regular season, 60 games, 40 games, we don't care. What do you look like in the playoffs? Their injury profile for the Sixers is huge. The next biggest weakness I would see was they could still use a gunner, right, to really space the floor. The last we saw this team, they were swarming James Harden. They were triple teaming and fronting Joel Embiid because they didn't really worry about Harris, Maxi, Matisse, Thibel, uh, and some of these other role players draining open shots. And if they had snagged a guy like Eric Gordon, maybe that's less of a concern. But they, they could still use a, a sniper, just an ice cold. I don't care if I've missed three in a row. I will pull from anywhere kind of guy. They don't have that. So I think that could be regarded as a weakness still. DeAnthony Melton went like three of 21 in the playoffs. He's a guy who does have some shooting concerns despite the regular season percentages. You're not sure how he's going to perform in the playoffs. Uh, P.J. Tucker is not a high-volume shooter. Daniel House is not either. So it's not like those guys have Clay Thompson-level gravity. So shooting could be an issue. What about an X factor? Like I, I, aside from Joel Embiid, let's be real. If, if Joel Embiid's healthy and and playing eighty two games or you know sixty five games, whatever he ends up playing, he's the best player on this squad. He's an MVP candidate. They're going to go as far as he takes him. But aside from Embiid, who is the X factor for you on the Sixers going into next season? Uh, you know, I, I don't think that there's this super high floor and ceiling. I think we can pretty much safely say what we expect here. But it's probably Tobias Harris. Uh, he's the reason when I look at these teams, payrolls, the, the number one, two, three, four payroll teams, the Clippers, the Golden State Warriors, the Milwaukee Bucks, the Boston Celtics, like the teams that are paying the most Four of those top six highest paying teams are the odds on favorites to win the title. So it gets you really thinking about the way these teams are built at the top. And inevitably we turn to the amount of money Tobias makes. He's got to be worth closer to that value we saw glimpses of it in the regular season towards the tailing we saw glimpses in the first round probably less to a degree when he had to cover jimmy butler in round mm -hmm. two 
But if you're getting the very best version we've ever seen, if Tobias Harris could be one of those guys whose prime is 30 and 31 and 32, more than 27 for 30, then the Sixers can get up to that next level. They're obviously going to need Joel to be Joel and healthy for the playoffs. Same with James Harden. Um, you need Maxi to continue ascending, but I think at this point we're pretty comfortable he will. And we and you know what Tucker brings. So he's not really an X factor to me in that regard. He's been awesome for the Bucks. He's been awesome for the Heat. And and Harris just has to be better than he has been on this team and play closer to that thirty-eight million dollar value. If he does, if he could do for them what Andrew Wiggins did for the Warriors, um, then this team could be really really tough to beat. I, I agree with you, and I, and I think that's where we're going to need to see. I don't think, Dave, let's be real. I don't think Tobias Harris is ever going to live up to that contract. He's only got a couple of years left anyways. But no. again, if they can get the Andrew Wiggins tight production, maybe even a notch below, that'll go a long way for the Sixers in terms of being a legitimate championship contender come time for the playoffs next year. I uh, want to take a break here, Dave. Come back. We're going to talk a little bit about Kevin Durant, some breaking news surrounding him. He seems like he's been the one keeping the NBA offseason alive, him and Donovan Mitchell. Uh, so some news coming out of Brooklyn. We'll jump into that after a short break. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, we're back. I'm talking with Dave Early of Liberty Ballers. Dave, you also covered the Nets last season for Clutch Points, and you did a lot of, uh, you know, were a part of their uh, post-game media conferences, did a lot of their Zoom, sat in on that. When you look at what Shams was reporting today, basically Kevin Durant, if you don't know, Kevin Durant telling Joe Sy he does not have faith in the Nets' direction, uh, and I'm, I'm quoting here from what Chom tweeted out. The meeting was described as transparent and professional with a clear message. And this is the key to it right now. Keep me or the GM and head coach, which are obviously Sean Marks and former two-time MVP Steve Nash. When you hear this kind of stuff and, and knowing, having the knowledge that you have of the Brooklyn Nets organization based off covering them, what do you think happens here? Like, do you think Josiah listens to Katie and says, all right, Sean Marks, all right, Steve Nash, I'm going to cut you all loose because Kevin Durant is one of the best players of all time. He's going into the first year of a four-year extension. I believe we would win a championship with him compared to having the two of you around and going a different direction. Like, how do you think this whole thing is going to play out? Because it's been, you know, what, over about a month now? You know, we've been talking about this, still don't any closer to a resolution. So what, what do you think happens here with the, with the Nets and the, and the whole KD thing? tell you man covering the nets was very very humbling because i'm on every single pre and post game and i'm like these guys really like each other and james harden is gonna stay and then, <laughs> and then you hear then it all blows up and you hear like there was a cold war brewing jake fisher reported between kd and james 
and James couldn't stand Kyrie and it was like all this stuff coming out. And now I think I have a handle on it. Cause I'm like, Oh, I get it. KD wants to play with Kyrie. They didn't give him the four or five year deal he wanted now that he can play in every game. So it makes sense that he wants out. And then it turns out, no, maybe he's mad at Sean Marks. Like, I guess in hindsight, you know, you, you look back at some of Kevin's comments, like I looked around and I saw Seth and Goran trying to guard seven footers against Boston. They were just too small. Then you think that Seth Curry said he had an ankle injury a month before he was traded. He ended up needing surgery. He played through that the whole time in Brooklyn. Ben Simmons, as we know, wound up needing back surgery. So maybe Kevin feels, look, you were put in a tough spot. Maybe I was wrong when I said you can. Uh, I'm consenting to trading James Harden, but it's your job to not be wrong. And you, even if you were going to trade him, you, like you could have told him to go kick rocks. We're keeping you, and we're going to throw four year max at you next summer, James. Mm-hmm. Or you could have maybe went out and got some guys who could play. Maybe Tyrese Halliburton, who was moved, would have been out there for us against Boston. So I guess with the report that he's frustrated with Sean Marks and Steve Nash, who he's defended, so. First of all, everyone in Brooklyn has the best poker face because this is so hard to follow. You're asking me to like give a prediction. I- I'm at a loss. I don't know what to expect. I kind of think that Joe Sy is just going to, you know, bank on the fact that Kevin Durant is not a holdout Ben Simmons type guy. He-, he wants to play. So you don't really have to feel that much pressure with four years on his deal. You could tell him, sorry, we couldn't find anything good for you. The best offer we got was like, bam and we'd have to trade ben for absolutely nothing just to make that happen because we can't trade them one for one uh we can't have both at the same time when they're on that rookie max extension so yeah i think kevin wants to be there but i think he wants to know that there's some long-term security with Kyrie. i don't think that's pending because of what happened with Kyrie in the past i think there's Josiah already feels he compromised on some organizational principles by bringing back a part-time player he didn't want to bring back due to pressure and now maybe he feels if i cave to this you know it brings back for nets fans some of the old jason kid my way or the highway type of stuff where it was like can you really give a player everything and compromise your front office and your culture uh, do you want to do that but this guy is worth it and he and Kyrie might be a package deal what the heck do you do would you as a Sixers fan rather him stay in Brooklyn and then the Nets might be better than the Sixers or would you like to see him go to another team and at least then the Nets are off the board as a threat so these are the questions that I have swirling in my head yeah and that's interesting Dave because you you look at this and I felt that too that Steve Nash is was you know great in terms of being a player and a a point guard but um, obviously has had some had to take some lumps as as a head coach and and when you look at this I mean the Nets got swept by the by the Celtics in round one. Came up short, you know, losing in seven to to Milwaukee uh, last year. And you you look at that, obviously, um, the Harden injury and the, and the Kyrie stuff played played a role in that. But they were right there. You know what I mean? Um, when you when you look at the job Nash has done, is it surprising for you at all to hear that KD had issues with him, given how much you covered the team last season? I'm not even convinced KD has issues with him. I mean, KD gave what I felt was an unnecessarily needless endorsement of Steve Nash when they were swept. Everyone, you know, everyone thought like, this is the time a coach might get fired the day after the playoffs ends, right? Mm-hmm. He gets swept. He's a second year guy. No one thinks he's the most unbelievable coach, but he's been a hell of a cheerleader and he's been a hell of a, you know, calming influence on a team that's had just 
a ridiculous amount of misfortune since assembling a super team, basically. I mean, and not the kind we say the Lakers were. This was a legitimate super team. They would have blitzed through the competition in 2021 if Harden and Kyrie stayed healthy, in my humble opinion. So I think they, that Sean Marks did a good job putting a championship team on the floor, on the court together. Don't think it worked out for them. You know, KD gave a strong endorsement. He talked about all the wild card hands that Nash was dealt, all the injuries, vaccine stuff. He didn't sugarcoat it. And he said, like, and he's, and then the Ben Simmons stuff, and he was there for us. What could you possibly expect him to do? Like, how could you judge him? But on the other hand, Sixers fans have these same conversations with Doc Rivers. Just because we could make excuses for him doesn't mean we also think he's the very best man for the job relative to all alternatives that we might go out and hire. So maybe Kevin has switched from answering, is it fair to ask Nash to have done more to is he the absolute best? And I'm, if I'm making a stand to clean house because I'm frustrated with the way that James Harden trade played out or Kyrie's extension talks played out, and maybe Marks has more of a hand in that than I originally thought, because I thought these are high-level decisions coming from Josiah to not max Kyrie. But maybe, maybe Marks is trying to bring some of that Spurs culture here Maybe that's rubbing KD the wrong way. I'm really just speculating. Uh, there's, there'll be a Jake Fisher call-in show tomorrow. I'll make sure to tune into to get some more details there. Because I don't know. I don't know any of these answers. Uh, I just have the questions at this point. Dave, looking at the job Sean Marks has done too, right? Like he was put into a pretty bad spot once everybody knew, like you mentioned, the, the drama between Harden and and Kyrie and, and, you know, with KD there too, that, okay, you know, we kind of got stuck in a position that, he had to do something and he ended up with a pretty damn good return. As much as we might have our own opinions of Ben Simmons for everything, he's still a pretty damn good NBA player. You know what? He's an all-star level guy. We'll see how he responds after the back injury, but he's done everything that he can to, to make this team be a championship contender. Now, if you look at, obviously maybe the depth was an issue last year, signing a bunch of older dudes um, who really couldn't fill in, but he's made some nice moves, you know, adding Royce O'Neal. They signed TJ Warren. They got uh, Patty Mills back, Nick Claxton back on, on pretty good deals. Although the Bruce Brown thing, that's something to, to, to be debated, but they're going to get Joe Harris back. And then, uh, you know, hopefully for them, they, they're going to have a healthy Ben Simmons. Um, what, what more do you think that Sean Marks could have done in your opinion to, to appease KD at this point? In 2021, if he had just put his feet up on the desk, they could have won a title. And then all of the endless hand-wringing people have done that the Nets, you know, sort of messed up their roster build would be out the window. They, they would have won the title, I think, if Kyrie didn't roll his ankle on Giannis's foot and James Harden didn't pull that hamstring. So what I could put on them, maybe you should have load-managed James when KD and Kyrie were out of the lineup back in March. Maybe you should have seen the news a little overweight from his Houston days and just pulled off the throttle. You didn't go for the one seed anyway because you knew you were load-managing KD so hard. Should have done that with James, put that on the front office to a degree. And yeah, you could nitpick a little bit with Blake Griffin and LaMarcus Aldridge and the lack of help they had from those older vets, but Paul Millsap, but there was just so little to work with. These are just vet men. So there's not a lot when you go for that three superstars or bust model. Mm -hmm. And I do think that's the right way to go. I would have taken those three guys as well. I mean, maybe you look back and say they should have kept Jared Allen or something, but I don't have a lot of fault here for Sean Marks. It does remind me a little bit of the old Sam Presti, James Harden situation. If you know there's the mandate from ownership, we don't want to pay luxury tax. You're $5 million short to keep Harden. 
then you, you need to find a way to get him that extra five million and just sacrifice the rest. Like they felt they needed Kendrick Perkins to buttress that front court. It's ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. And that's <laughs> what it came down to. And Harden went to Houston and the rest is history. And now like, okay, if Harden tells you I'm going to walk and you have to shop him because you're really worried about him walking, maybe you could have gotten someone else. I know they couldn't have predicted Ben to get that back flare up because it did. It was reported that his MRI was clean. Um, but then he heard it somewhere after the trade. So, I, you know, that's tough to grade him on. If KD is holding that against Sean Marks, I think it's a little unfair because I do think the on-paper return, as much as Sixers fans love to hate on Ben, was pretty good. There was a time when that deal first happened. We were like, hey, Seth and Drummond alone are playing better than James was with his balky hamstrings back in January. Mm-hmm. People thought he was dogging it. But now you hear, like, Harden and KD are in concerts in London together, and you kind of just get the sense they probably were like, you know, Sean sort of just told you to go bleep yourself when you said, I want to trade. Because if we had just stayed together and you were reasonably healthy like you were in Philly, we might have stole game one from Boston. And then who knows how that series plays out. And at the very least, you could get your scary hour summer together right now, and we'd be positioned to win the East this coming year. And maybe that's haunting KD a little bit. Yeah. And, and, and I think that's, that's something to keep an eye on as this whole drama stuff plays out, right? Like, is it, could something go a little bit different? Could KD change his mind? A camp is coming up, you know, roughly a month, just over a month from now, but we're expecting, we haven't heard official dates yet, but I'm assuming uh, around September, you know, 18th, 19th, we'll, we'll, we'll have the Sixers and, and most other NBA teams back at camp, but it remains to be seen what, what's going to happen with, uh, with KD. But again, given his content to talk about Dave, we can't complain about that during the dark days of the NBA offseason as well. He's put the whole thing on freeze too. So we've been talking about this one for a long time now. It's, it's hard for me to imagine them saying, okay, Kev, thanks for publicly putting this out there via shams. We're just going to get rid of our front office and coach now all to appease you. Cause that would be some pretty bad PR. And yet I just find it so hard to imagine him somewhere else other than Brooklyn right now, because he's so good and I can't imagine what they're going to get for him. So weird, a weird place to evaluate. Yeah, I'm with you. And I, I do think ultimately Joe Sy will sacrifice both Sean Marks and Steve Nash. I, I just, that's, that's the way I'm looking at this. You don't get or Kev will come around because he's a little impulsive. Yeah. Yeah, he is. But I mean, you're looking at this dude, you know, 10 to one of the ton, 15, maybe greatest players of all time, just a dominant scorer. Uh, great at, at, at what he does tough to see a team with a guy who has four years left on his deal um, walking away from that and and maybe trying to rebuild this thing because you know you got Kyrie Irving at least for one more year a healthy Ben Simmons um, Royce O'Neal so they do have a good enough squad in terms of at the top of the rotation to compete with with the big boys but filling out that depth um, will definitely take some work from from Sean Marks if he's still around or the incoming GM. Uh, Dave, I want to thank you for, for joining me on this one. I know we, we haven't got to connect in a while, but uh, always always love talking to you about the Sixers and, and the rest of the NBA. Uh, looking forward to doing this again soon as well. Yeah, this is fun. Welcome back. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. All right, that's Dave Early. You can check out his work on our site at Liberty Ballers and also uh, makes regular appearances on the podcast network, network as well. So don't forget to give us a subscription. Always appreciate a five-star review as well. You can catch us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, you name it, we are there. Uh, we're going to get back into the swing of things right now. So get used to hearing my voice once again. Uh, that'll do it for this episode. We'll catch up with you all again next time.